Comic Book Time Machine, Episode 105. Comic Book Grab Bag, Part 2. Hello and welcome back to the comic book time machine. I am Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to read some comics because you know what? The house is empty. Outside, it's hot. Inside, I've got a couple things I I could be doing right now, but it's just been a hot day. And I'm just ready to sit in the air conditioning and read some comics. And I could read some Marvel Cosmic comics. I, I could do that. And, and maybe I even will do that uh, later today. Like I said, the house is empty. I've got the home to myself all day. And, yeah, it's been a lazy day. I've gotten some work done. I've, I've done a couple chores around the house. But, anyway, here I am sitting here. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bust out one of those poly bags that I bought at Target because I bought more than one. And so I hold one in my hand right now and I'm going to open it up. And here's how this works. This is this this comic book time machine. This is a different kind of time machine. Sometimes the time machine that we ride is actually back issues from, you know, the the long boxes at a at a comic shop or at a uh flea market or, or whatever. Sometimes the time machine is a graphic novel that collects those things that takes us back to those, those days. Those days could be a week ago and, and could be, you know, four decades ago, but sometimes it's a comic that is the time machine that takes us back. And sometimes it's the packaging. And in this case, it is definitely the packaging that takes me back just takes me back to when I was a kid and one of those things I love. Now, if you've ever done any studying of love languages, uh, that's how we f- express and feel appreciation. And some people, their love language is words of encouragement and they just want to hear someone tell them they're doing a good job or they want to hear someone tell them they're appreciated. And, and for some, it's, it's touch where you, they just want to, you know, someone can pat them on the back, you know, or, or, hold their hand or whatever. And for some people, the love language is gifts. And I think that is maybe one of my love languages because I love getting things and um, I love, you know, opening presents and that kind of thing. And, and that might just be a normal thing. I mean, I haven't taken any of those tests to know. Um, there's there's all these uh, counseling and psychological tests and, and stuff like that, that um, when you work with people, you, you get into sometimes, but I haven't taken any of, of those. I have taken personality tests. I don't like them because of how, good they are when you sit down and read the results it's sometimes scary to know that just a multiple choice test reveals this much about you but anyway that's neither here nor there that's just to get into this idea here of why i love the comic book grab bag now what's the comic book grab bag well it's different it's called different things in different places and i don't even know what it was called back when i was actually getting these as a kid i just remember getting them as a kid and it's just this poly bag where there's a handful of comics inside. And when I was a kid, a lot of the times I remember them being having three comics inside. Uh, but these ones that Target has, and 
I'm not kidding. Like every time I go to Target, I look in their collectible section. Now, this is not the uh, collectible card game section that they sometimes have toward the front. This is in the back with the toys. And there's this kind of half of one side of the aisle has these collectible things. And it's all of the blind packs. Um, today when I went, I was looking at some stuff and, and they had these blind packs. So these very thin flat packages that you can open up. Uh, but you can't see what's inside until you open it. And it's these keychain, uh, the Marvel vinyl keychains. And when I say vinyl, I mean, they actually are like miniature, um, uh, album covers with a miniature album that slides into the album cover. And that's what the keychain is attached to is the, the, the album that slides in there. And it's a weird variety of characters too. It's eight characters. It's Dr. Strange and Dormammu. It's uh, Captain America and Black Widow. It's Nova and Rocket Raccoon. And it's uh, Power, F- Power Man and Iron Fist. And I mean, all those are in those duos kind of connected and all of them are connected to things you would see on screen, but it just seemed like a weird combination of characters. But anyway, um, they had those there, and th- that's also where you get those um, like different figures. It's just all sorts of different things that come in these these blind packs. And they also have these these comic books, and just just uh, sometimes I'll go there and there'll be one, and sometimes I'll go and there'll be ten, and it's just wild to me. And so. It's hard. I I don't buy them every single time I'm in Target, but I I do look at them every time I'm in Target. And in this case, I looked and I had to get this this one. Um, you know, I got this you know with with the other ones, but um, this one I picked because of the two comics. You could see you can see the two comics on either side, the front and the back. Um, and on the packaging, it just says four out of print originals, collectible comics. Uh, it doesn't make the, it doesn't make the uh, the promise that those ones that I bought earlier at, at Dollar General made that promise of, you know, $80 worth of comics in one $4 package or whatever. I mean, it didn't actually say that because it went by cover prices. But, um, you know, the, the, the idea is you buy this, you're getting a collectible. You could turn around and sell on eBay. I mean, that's what they're implying. They're not implying that here. They're just saying they're collectible comics. And so the ones that I could see, I'm just going to say that. And I don't know how old these are yet until I get them open, but I do notice they both have the old school DC bullet. And well, the one I'm looking at right now, it says early October 92 and it's detective comics. And it is a cover. Um, not the style of Batman that I like where he's got all these ripples to his cape that almost make him look like he's, like there's muscles in the cape or something like that. And then the the anatomy of, of the body is one weird muscles. Like his legs are bent, but they're just huge. Uh, his feet are tiny. and it, So I'm not digging the cover, but it, it was old school enough for me to say, oh, that's kind of cool. There's bats flying around him and there's a moon. And then the other one, let's see, date here is January of 98. And again, we still have the old school DC bullet on there with the four stars on it and just DC and kind of that collegiate lettering. Um, this is ep- uh, issue number 554 of The Adventures of Superman. 
And here's what really called out to me. I mean, this was the the front one when I was looking at at these and kind of going through and saying, do I want to get any of these? Because it's six bucks, but it's six bucks for four comics. You know, that's a dollar fifty each for each comic. Now, cover price for this one is dollar ninety five, and cover price for the other one is dollar twenty five. So, I mean, we're already, um, you know, doing doing well as far as cover price goes. Mm, maybe we won't once we get inside because some sometimes there's older, like really old comics in these bags. But um, the thing that called out to me is this cover it's the perspective is that you're standing in a sewer and it's this rounded brick sewer and there's water along in the water. And there at the end of the sewer in this round entrance that leads into a larger, um, I don't know, tunnel or whatever in the sewer is Superman being attacked by this purple creature that I wish I knew who it was. I don't know who it is. And I don't know if I'm supposed to know who it is. I, I don't know. We'll find out. But it's electric Superman. It's the blue electric Superman. Now, this is from a time when Superman's powers were completely changed. It's one of those things where I think they're just trying to say, okay, we've, we've done the marriage. We've done the, the death. What can we do to make Superman relevant again? How about we switch him up and give him new powers, and then he'll be a different kind of character? And, yeah, so that's what really attracted me is that you have this Batman that's got that old-school DC bullet on it. And then you have Electric Superman. Now, what's inside? I don't know. We're going to find out. I'm going to open it right here on the air, close to the microphone, <laughs> only because I'm actually handing, handling the microphone in my hand. It's not on a microphone stand. That way I can be closer to the air conditioning. So there's the Superman one. Then we have the Batman one, the Detective Comics. And then, <laughs> this is interesting. Okay. Wow. Okay, so... We're getting um, All-Star Western featuring Jonah Hex uh, with a backup story about with Tomahawk, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, this is from, I wanna, is this New 52 when they did this? I, I think it's got that new DC, yeah, it's, this is New 52. Um, I'm just looking for a year on it. Mm, yeah, 2013. So, all right, Jonah Hex. Hey, not a great movie, but I love westerns. I love me a good western. But then this one is the one that excites me even more, uh, maybe, than Electric Superman. It's Legion of Superheroes number 284, which is from 1982. And the reason, I mean, the first thing I saw when I opened this was not the cover, it was the back cover, which has an uh, an advertisement for Expert Builder Series Challenge number 8860 Lego set. Definitely not kids' stuff, which is when they were starting to do that, uh, what I think ended up being called Technic or Technique or something like that. But yes, indeed, I am excited about this. Um I hope I'm not going to be just completely in the dark with this as I read it, because that is usually what happens to me when I read Legion of Superhero comics is I just don't know what's going on. There are some of the main characters now that I do recognize and and know and get along with. Um, And I'm familiar with more now than I was. But I with New 52, speaking of New 52, I tried. I was reading every single Legion of Superheroes title that they had. There was three. There was Legion of Superheroes, Legion Lost, 
and Legion of Superheroes Origins. And then there's a fourth that was a crossover with Star Trek. And I thought, if this is the time, this is the time to get on. This is the time to jump on. And I gave it a few months. And I mean, I was all in, but they lost me because there were just so many characters that I had no idea who they were, what they were doing, what they cared about, anything. I thought I was going to jump in on the just ground floor with New 52. That's what they sell to me. That's how it seemed like they were selling New 52. This is the time to jump on, start fresh, start new. But that was not the case at all. So, okay, so that being the case, I think, I don't know, this could be a real winning thing here. I'm going to start with Detective because that's the one I'm kind of just not sure about. Yeah, we'll get into it um, once I read it. But I'm going to start with Detective, then do Adventures of Superman, and then Jonah Hex, and then Legion of Superheroes. If nothing else, Legion of Superheroes is going to take me back to 1982. Ain't nothing wrong with that, right? So that's what this episode is. And what I'll do is I'll play a promo for a podcast that I listen to and like, and then I will, while I'm playing that promo, um, actually stop recording and read the comic and we'll go from there. But yeah. Okay. I'm excited. This, this looks like a fun stack of comics. So here we go. Podcast promo number one. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on theLongboxCrusade.com, and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends. So that promo obviously was the uh, Long Longbox Crusade, which is a great podcast, uh, and it covers a lot of things that are relevant to my interests. So I'm going to guess they are also relevant to yours. Um, there's some fun stuff. They've covered some Star Wars stuff that I'm not going to get to in a long time that I enjoyed listening to. Um, yeah, like I said, they they cover a lot of stuff that just falls right in my wheelhouse. So, yeah. Now, let's talk about this comic. Detective Comics 651. And it's the cover date, like I said, is early October 1992. The on sale date is August 18, 1992. Uh, $1.25 and okay. So this is, uh, 1992, which is the year of Batman returns, I think. And why do I think that? Well, partially because 1992, that's when I graduated from high school. So I remember that senior year, you know, um, but also, and, and Batman returns might've been 91. I, I don't remember that, but there's an ad for the Batman returns handheld LCD game. Uh, from Tiger Electronics on the back of this comic book, <laughs> and it's Danny DeVito. It's just, it's just a giant photo of Danny DeVito as Penguin, and, and I, I remember these LCD games. They were, they were fun. They were fun. Uh, were fun. Now, yeah, they don't hold up. That's just me. I'm just saying that to me, they they don't hold up. How does the comic hold up? That is the real question because this, the cover didn't have me excited for the art style. 
Fortunately, the artist, Kelly Jones, is not the interior artist. For this comic, the writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Graham Nolan, uh, inker Scott Hanna, letter John Costanza. Now, John Costanza is, I mean, he's all over the place with lettering, but, um, you know, 15 years earlier, he was doing a handful of the Marvel Cosmic Comic comics that I cover. Um, yeah, so he, he was in there, and then Glenn, Glenn Whitmore. And, okay. This is a one-shot story. I'm trying to figure out when do I say if I liked it or not. Do I do I bury the lead or do I just, just jump into it? And there's a part of me that just wants to just jump into it. But, um, you know, about about the quality of this issue. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to jump into it. I really like this comic. I was really surprised, really surprised. I thought I would kind of like it, uh, but I was afraid that maybe it's going to be, you know, part three and a four part story, or it's going to be, you know, almost worse part one and a 12 part story, something like that. No, this is a self-contained single issue story and it's great. It's great. I mean, the artwork itself is kind of this classic Batman look that I associate with Batman. There's, there's one panel on page five that I look at this and the way that uh, Batman is drawn is just with the, the ears, whatever they call the, the ears on his, on his cowl um, and his jawline. It's, it is the Batman that I recognize from when I was buying comics or getting comics bought for me, I should say in the eighties. In in fact, this takes me back to actually a comic grab bag that that I remember getting that had a uh, brave and the bold in it had a, uh, um, DC Comics presents in it, and also had a, a just a Batman comic in it, and it just takes me back to to that. I mean, this art style, this version of Batman that we get here, is dark. I mean, there's dark grays, muted blues, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, we're clearly being influenced by Tim Burton and his Batman and his Batman Returns. <laughs> but um it's also very four color i mean harvey ben- bullock harvey bullock wears just really garish green suits the entire time in this comic book and uh yeah so i i enjoyed the artwork the story itself is single self-contained story uh you don't need to know much about anyone in this uh you should probably know who Batman is. And when Robin shows up, he just is there and then he's gone for, you know, his, the page that he's on there in there. But, um, it's really, really neat. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. So here's the, I mean, it's a classic noir story. I'm going to just go ahead and read from the first two pages here, the, uh, the narration that's happening in the text boxes, but it's, it's Bullock. And the story itself is called a bullet for Bullock. (laughs) So here's the narration. It's raining hard enough to drown a duck. I'm sorry. I I need to get a better um, noir narration voice. It's raining hard enough to drown a duck. Too hard for there to be any harness cops yanking in front of the precinct house between shifts. Great night for a murder. Mine. Okay, that wasn't the best noir voice, but um, I'll I'll try better. I hear the squeal of the tires. That's more of a Batman's like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'll just keep reading. Uh, then the 9mm hailstorm starts. I know it isn't just a random drive-by. Nobody kills a cop for fun, and I'm a cop. 
Harvey Bullock, major crimes unit attached to Gordon's office. I don't take this kind of bull lying down. I've been getting threats. A note in my mailbox, a couple of phone calls. Now they're getting serious. I figure they'll try again. I want them to try. I want to nail them all on my own. No rule book, no paperwork. But I need to know who has it in for me. For that, I'll need help. For that, I'll need backup. All right, that's the setup right there. <laughs> it's great. Now that all happens. It's a rainy day, and the rain's coming down, and you know he's hiding behind. He jumps behind a dumpster and shoots back at the car that's shooting at him. And then uh, he continues walking down the sidewalk in the rain, and he summons Batman. That's the help he wants. Now, they, this is probably some back issue or back story stuff that you might want to know, but you don't need to know because right there they just say, we, we don't get along. You know, we're not on good terms with each other, that kind of thing. But he still, he needs help from, from Batman because he needs help from outside the system in case the killers are actually from one of his cases when he wasn't quite going by the book. And so that's why he needs Batman's help because Batman is outside the system. Batman is all for justice. And, and Batman quizzes him on it and says, hey, why do you want me to do this? And when he explains, because this might lead to some things in my past I don't want revealed, Batman suggests he might be on the take. And Bullock says, I've never accepted a dime from anyone, but I have done things that you would understand. And Batman agrees to help. He'll help him, but only if when they find the guy, they do it by the book. So Bullock goes home. It's a rundown place with a jerky landlord. And um, so actually, uh, side note, um, you know, while I played that promo, I stopped recording so I could read like I do. Uh, but I, in reading it, I got to his apartment. And like I said, I'm home alone today and, and uh, tomorrow. And um, I, uh, his apartment has like laundry strung up all over the living room. I mean, it's underwear that's hanging from these clotheslines. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a, I, I'm assuming that means he's washing them in the sink and then hanging them up on the clothesline. But so it's nothing that bad. But it just reminded me I needed to change my laundry, so I also had to do that while I was taking the break from recording uh, and reading the comic. But anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, so we get to see this these moments in his life, and he comes in and he's he's paranoid, and he has he has his gun drawn, and um, so Batman agrees to help him, and we get a scene where um, Batman gives a disc to Robin to look up some old cases while Batman shadows Bullock as as his guardian angel, and Bullock doesn't want that kind of help, and he's actually kind of a jerk when he talks to Batman about it because he's like, just tell me the person who who's after me, just tell me, and, and then. Uh, and let me do my job by myself. And so Batman says he'll he'll get back to him. Um, Bullock returns to his apartment. This time Batman's waiting in the apartment. It's a, it's like classic uh, Commissioner Gordon kind of stuff where Bullock comes in. There's n- you know it's dark and he turns on the light and there's Batman already there. And then they have their conversation. Bullock turns around, turns back. Batman's gone. <laughs> and it's it's kind of a fun little inversion on things there. And that's something you wouldn't know. You know, if you're just reading this as your only Batman comic, you might not know about that kind of history. But uh, who cares? You know, it, it's it's stuff like that that adds subtext and depth to the story, but doesn't get in the way of enjoying the story without, you know, all the background stuff that you you might have. Uh, it turns out Batman finds out that he's been getting warning notes in his mailbox with newspaper letters cut and pasted on the paper. No fingerprints. Uh, and Batman wonders about this. You know, why is someone going through so much trouble to warn or scare Bullock and just not just kill him? 
And Bullock says he doesn't care. I mean, they tried hard enough to, to kill him earlier. So the next day, he's, pu- he's pushed in front of a subway on his way to work. And that's not good. Um, but he, he manages to get out of that alive. And then Batman comes in with a name, Vinny the Shark Starkey. Someone that Bullock put away a long time ago, was a model prisoner, is now out on good behavior and back to his old shenanigans. So the two go to a warehouse, break up his current operation. But Vinny plays dumb when confronted about the notes and the murder attempts. And I'm about to spoil this story, so if you are interested in going and getting uh, issue number 651 of Detective Comics, you're going to want to go ahead and fast forward a little bit because I'm going to spoil the story and and give the uh, the ending here because this is what I loved. This is They catch the guy, the guy plays dumb, and then they show uh, Bullock coming home, and at home he's confronted by this random mugger who isn't so random. It turns out it's the guy. And he mentions, I've been trying to kill you. You know, you could have just left, but now I'm just going to make it look like a random mugging in front of your house. And this is the guy. And of course, Batman intervenes and uh, saves Bullock. So now Bullock says he owes him two. Um, But Batman intervenes, save Bullock, and the mask comes off the guy. And it's the landlord. Literally, the landlord was just trying to scare Bullock into leaving town or at least leaving the apartment. But um, the apartment is rent controlled and the guy, ha- I mean, Bullock is allowed to you know, keep that rent price for now. And he wants to raise rent prices and he can't because Bullock is there and it's rent controlled. So <laughs> the uh, landlord was going to kill him. Now, I'm laughing a little bit, but it's not I'm not laughing at it. I'm laughing because it's it's kind of fun. It's this page turner where you're turning the page and realize, okay, it's not done. Uh, The Vinny the shark guy is not the guy, and this is the guy. And then life goes on with Batman and and Bullock going their separate ways. But I think it was a great little twist to this little mystery, and it's it's not a big story. It's not an exciting story. Um, There is some character development for Bullock where – uh, he says thank you to two different people, and the first person he says it to, he he gets called out on it. You know, are you sick? And then the second person he says it to is is Batman because of genuine um, appreciation. And so you get a little bit of development for Bullock, and you get this nice little twist at the end. It's the interior art is great. It's a one shot Batman mystery with very little setup needed. And my question now is, and this comes to, I might have mentioned this before in some other episodes, but I have this last bite thing that I, I just do. And that is when I'm eating, I want to have, I want to save the best bite for last. And I'm, I know I'm taking a risk by leaving that, uh, leaving the superheroes comic for last because of the, the possible things. Like I mentioned with my fear here was, Am I going to get part three of a four part story or, you know, is it going to be just so full of stuff that I don't understand because I don't know the characters. And, um, so this was a great first bite. Let's put it that way. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed reading this comic. This is a comic that I don't know what I'm going to do with it because I don't really have a place for it to go in my, you know, collection of, of actual things that I collect, you know, like I know, Swamp Monster comics go in one box and and my Marvel Cosmic comics go in another box. My Ultraverse comics are in another box. Uh, I don't really have a special place for this kind of one-shot thing that's, you know, comics I want to read again. 
in 10 years or something. I don't know. But Oh, and before I forget, there was some ads in here for things that I actually want to find and read now. There was one. I don't know what this is, but the preview image just looks really maybe too cool. The much maybe more cool than it actually is, but uh, it's Hammerlock, a nine issue limited series. Tomorrow's superhumans are here, and it's got this girl flying in the background with wings for arms, and this guy with a skull kind of makeup paint on his face with a gun, and you have this ar- guy in armor with a sword, but it's like uh, you know futuristic armor. You have this um, woman with this big giant gun, but she looks kind of kind of cowboyish. And I'm really curious about this. Now, I might be let down with that one, but I'm really, really curious. And the other one was uh, Green Lantern, Ganthet's Tale, a story so epic it required two talents to tell it, Larry Niven and John Byrne. And I'm, I'm, I, want, I'm, I want to find out more. I'm very curious about that story, if it's any good or not. Uh, there's also, you know, Sega Genesis ads and, and, and then, like I said, that, that LCD game thing. Um, Super Nintendo ads and everything, but um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. So now I'm going to read Adventures of Superman number 554. We'll see where that one takes us. But first, another podcast promo from a friend of the podcast who produces a podcast that I like. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Okay, that promo was from the Quarterbin Podcast, which is one of the first comic podcasts I started listening to uh, early on when I was getting into comic podcasts and uh yeah check it out they cover lots and lots and lots of stuff professor allen is awesome and has a lot of great insight and it's a great podcast so let's talk about the adventures of superman number 554 it is not part three of a four-part story it is apparently um continuation of a story from action comics but they don't make a big deal of it they just kind of when they say something that you maybe should have known or maybe you want to know where it came from. They do have one of those asterisks in the uh, text box saying, you know, read, I don't know, Action Comics number 740 something or other. But um, I was <laughs> very glad to see that the reason I didn't recognize the villain character in the sewer was because it's just a random monster or not quite random, but it's just it's a monster. And the whole setup here is there's something ca- that they're calling the Ripper. And the Ripper is going around through town, through Metropolis, and every 10 days kidnaps a kid and eats it. And, of course, Metropolis is upset. And so the Metropolis uh, mayor brings in a guy that one of the best page turns, and not in a good way, where they're having this meeting. 
in the mayor's office, you turn and there's a double page spread for a Sonic game ad. And then you turn again and there's this guy, this white guy with a beard and a skull for a, um, like a dinosaur skull for a hat. And he's carrying a traditional African looking shield and a spear and no shirt, but bright orange suspenders holding up his uh, green pants. And, and he's just there right there in the office just showing up because he was called his name is Burton quote Hunter and quote Thompson um, I don't know if he has another you know name in there that maybe starts with s so he can actually be Hunter s Thompson but <laughs> yeah he's he's just there and he's there to hunt down this monster and then they're gonna try and get uh, Superman to help as well so they they contact Clark Kent and ask him to ask Superman to come and and join them. And, uh, it all, uh, you know, there is someone who suggested the story idea that, um, Metropolis all just pretend that they don't know Clark Kent is Superman. They're just all doing it for Clark Kent's benefit. And, uh, really everybody does know because of the way things go. But, um, I mean, the, the fact that he looks like he does with glasses and, you know, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Um, so then, uh, one of the cops and Superman and this hunter go after the monster. And this is where we kind of see the, the one thing that kind of surprised me to fig- to find out this wasn't just a one shot was so they mentioned that Superman had almost caught this thing up before. And now you have him and he, as he confronts the monster, he says, let's get a close look at you. Let's do things my way this time. And, Oh, there's the alien writing that you keep looking at. And then Superman figures out it's not writing, it's pictograms. And that the monster is actually trying to give a message to uh, whoever is after him uh, in pictograms. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a neat little element there. Even if it is referencing some stuff that I wasn't familiar with beforehand. But uh, it's as Superman is trying to communicate and understand, of course, the hunter comes and just kills the creature. And the creature goes down, and that was the only way we could stop it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, actually, he doesn't kill it, but he forces their hand and causes the um, the cop to have to kill it before Superman has a chance to really look into what it, what the, the deal is. And then the reason they called him Ripper, apparently, is because of this writing, because Clark Kent is then writing down this alien writing on paper, and it, the pictograms together look like um, the word Ripper. But he wonders if, like, the R is the something walking or going, and the two Ps are people, and the lines for the E doesn't have the long line on the left of it. It's just three horizontal lines, and he's wondering, is that a cell cage or something? And did he want to be taken back to that place that's safe, or was he running away from that place? But he thinks the writing was a cry for, for help from this creature. And then we find out that Thompson is actually involved in some um, experiments creating creatures in some lab. And that's, that's our kind of twist at the end is that the, the there was a cage involved and this, this thing escaped from that cage. But now you know why Hunter wanted to kill it so badly. Uh, and of course he's wearing a suit when he's in the lab. So one thing that does kind of uh, it's just kind of a theme that kind of goes through the whole comic is 
Uh, Lex Luthor has his daughter, and he introduces his daughter to Superman in the beginning of the issue, Lena Luthor. And his wife is in bad condition, but his daughter is extremely healthy. And he, there's this kind of Lex Luthor moment where it, it bounces between that kind of cruel civility that they have uh, between each other. And then he just goes crazy man anger. And then he goes back to that. Um, I'm, I'm smiling, but I really I'm smiling because I hate you. As he describes how he'll, <laughs> before he let anything happen to his daughter, he'd let he'd see Metropolis a smoldering ruin, and and then he also, before Superman leaves, just says, "Oh yeah, uh, I forgot you can't have a baby. Uh, I've studied your Kryptonian uh, ph- physiology, and you can't even have a child with humans. And of course, we'll find out later he can, but." He's, you know, you're a dinosaur. You're the last. You're, you're almost extinct. And there will always be a Luther here in Metropolis. And he's just trying to make Superman feel bad. And then there's another, um, uh, another moment where with some of the one of the guys that Clark Kent works with, who apparently his child was taken from him uh, by this Ripper thing. And Clark says, I, "I know what you're going through." And the guy's like, "You, you have no idea what I'm going through. You're not a father." And it's. It's an interesting little um, sub line, sub theme, you know, as, as Superman is rescuing children, something that doesn't really get played on at the end because the end is focused on Clark Kent figuring out the mystery of the creature, not Clark Kent dealing with the aftermath of all of this and also this idea that he, he is the last of his, his kind. And can't have children or won't have children, especially now that he's electric Superman or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, so that this isn't this was fine. Um, It took me a little longer to get into it. Uh, Once the story started going in earnest, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as good as the detective comics that I read. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't nearly as good. So speaking of monsters, I'm going to go ahead and play a podcast promo from a podcast that I'm involved in, not just one that I listen to, but I do listen to the episodes I'm not involved in, but it deals more in monsters. But I'm also going to read Jonah Hex, number 15. It's midnight, the podcasting hour. Hello, listeners. It's your friend, PJ Frightful. That's PJ, as in podcast jockey, and I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics. Those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The podcasting hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. Okay, so 
All-Star Western, number 15, featuring Jonah Hex. This is the series that, honestly, if I had really thought things through when New 52 started, um, I would have gone with Jonah Hex and, and actually went with that instead of the Legion of Superheroes stuff that I, I went with. But I didn't. I bought the first issue. I read the first issue. I think I liked the first issue, but for some reason I didn't follow through after that. And part of it was budgetary. I had chosen and chosen poorly to buy four issues. Not every month, not right from the beginning. It wasn't four issues. It was two, but then there was also Aquaman that I was following. And yeah, so anyway, this issue was interesting. It was not part two of or part three of four. Although it's kind of funny that I mentioned part three of four because the Tomahawk story, the, the backup story actually was part three of four. <laughs> so I didn't know when I started, but when I got to the last page, I, I found out actually the part three of four thing was a thing that's happening today. But this issue was called strange medicine. It was written by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palm Palmiotti. Um, and they're, they're, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti is kind of the guy who is the Western guy, uh, for DC. And I actually just recently read his issue of, uh, I think it's, uh, Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam that they did with the Looney Tunes crossovers that they did. But it's a simple story in some ways. Basically, Dr. Jekyll slash Mr. Hyde is confronting Amadeus Arkham, who is the Arkham Asylum is named after. And he gives some of his serum to Arkham and Arkham starts going crazy. And Jonah Hex comes. He's looking for somebody else, Reggie, who um, Dr. Hyde ate most of. Reggie. And so we get a fight scene. The fight scene is between the three of them to start with. Jonah Hex gets thrown out the window, crawls his way back up through the stairs and through the through the uh, saloon and makes his way back up. While he's doing that, Arkham and Hyde fight. And when uh, Jonah Hex finally gets there, He's the diversion that uh, Arkham needs to run away. So they fight some more until the authorities get there, the police, and then Hyde runs away. So Hex goes after Arkham, who is causing trouble in the town because his deepest, darkest uh, nature is coming out. And his deepest, darkest nature happens to be um, not very nice uh, as far as how he treats the women, the ladies. They get him and they put him in asylum. <laughs> He's in a padded cell with a straight coat on. And Jonah Hex has to heal because his leg is broken and they tell him he can't walk on it for a while. And that means he's going to have to wait while Hyde is working on his formula and has this black diamond thing that's making the formula something bad. Now, what interests me about this issue is less the actual story we get here, which isn't bad. Um, I like the Westerns. Uh, I like Westerns where you have the hero just pushing their body to the utter limit to survive or to, you know, get the bad guy. And more honestly, if they're the bad guy, you know, they're, they're getting the other bad guy. But uh, I like those, those kind of survival stories where, you know, he's just, in this case, climbing the stairs with a broken leg and just trying to get, get to hide. 
to stop him. But then the next issue says, next, Hex at his worst. It seems to me that he is going to end up with the serum. And we're going to see the dark side of Jonah Hex come out as, you know, the, the Jekyll Hyde kind of thing. We'll see. Or, well, actually, I won't see. I'm not planning on going out and buying that issue, uh, but I wouldn't stop myself from reading it if, it if I came across it. Now, the Tomahawk story, I start reading, and I'm thinking this is just a one-shot backup story because of the way it it acts uh, all the way through where you have some um, revolutionary-era soldiers, and they, they kill some American in- Indians, and and then you have this whole thing where they they capture them and and then uh they get ambushed and the guy who's leading those soldiers gets attacked by a tomahawk and there's this great wordless well not wordless there are some uh sound effects in there but it's it feels very old school in the style of art uh that kind of old school classic painted kind of art and that was it's really good and actually it's a three-page fight scene but uh tomahawk gets knocked out and then escape the, the guy escapes and so suddenly it's not a self-contained short story but it's a part three because then you turn the page to the last one and you see the fort that they're going to and tomahawk I, at least i'm assuming it's tomahawk it's the main guy uh I, it looks like the guy on the cover i'm not real familiar with tomahawk as a character anyway he says they're going to burn the british to the ground and then it says next the finale and then we get the credits, Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Phil Winslet are, is the artist and colorist on this. Fantastic work. Fantastic work. And it says, Tomahawk, part three, massacre. <laughs> so this is part three of four. Still in all, it's a good read. Not a bad issue. Three ninety nine. that pumps up our price. You know, this cost me five ninety nine for the entire set. So $4.00. And then two dollars for Adventures of Superman. We're up to six right there, and then another dollar twenty-five, so seven twenty-five. But then our next comic is only sixty cents. <laughs> so, you know, cover price. You know what we're looking at: four, six, seven twenty-five, seven eighty-five. I still got a bargain. It's not a Professor Allen Quarterman bargain, but it's a bargain. So that's what I'm reading next: Legion of Superheroes, issue number two hundred eighty-four. Uh, on the cover, it says, this is Medicus One. It's a satellite hospital, and that's good because the Legionnaires will be needing one. And they're all, like, blasting out of the side of it into the vacuum of space. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't talk about the Jonah Hex cover. It says, Hyde attains the power of ultimate evil. And it's really kind of bland. I, I don't know who did the cover. I can find out. Um, Ariel Olivetti. It's kind of a bland cover. It's not offensive. It's not terribly bad. It's just not terribly great. So let's start a podcast promo and then we'll get into Legion of Superheroes number 284. In 1915, the world went to war. Nations in Europe met across muddy fields in the conflict that stretched across empires across the world. This is in history books. John Adams' story of the First World War is found in the letters he wrote back home to his mother. John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast presents these letters a hundred years after they were written. Follow John Adams' story through joining the army, training and deployment on the Western Front, through his hopes and fears, frustrations and injuries, 
we see the personal side of a global conflict. You can find John Adams' Personal Journey podcast every month on johnadams.org.uk forward slash letters or on iTunes under John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast. These are his words, read by his grandchildren and narrated by his great-grandchildren. I know it's not a comic book podcast, but it is a podcast that has something to do with history. And, you know, we just got done talking about a comic that has something to do with history. So I'm calling it good. Um, Now let's move from history into the future with Legion of Superheroes. And, okay. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it could be. And I recognized a lot of the characters. And part of that is from old comics I had when I was real little. Some of that's from the comics I had now from the New 52 and just from, you know, things like hero clicks and stuff where I have, you know, just random encounters with these characters. They didn't give me very much background or details about who these characters are. Um, Really, if you want to know the details, you do need to be following. This is a soap opera kind of comic where I think that's the attraction is is to follow these lengthy tales and these long developments and stuff like that. Uh, you have Bouncing Boy and his wife. Uh, I can't remember her name, but they were they're retiring again. They retired before and now they came back for a little while. Now they're retiring again. And there's a whole bunch of stuff with that in here and some foreshadowing things where something bad is supposed to happen to them, which I, I expected they were going to get drawn back into this adventure is the kind of thing where, Oh, we're retiring, but just one more mission. And then that one more mission ends horribly. And maybe that is the case. It's just not the case in this issue. In this issue, it is that medical station that's being attacked and the people attacking it are basically they're pirates and they're, they're stealing the, uh, uh, harvested organs and they steal these, these organs to sell, but then they also leave something behind, something that says he has traveled to get there. And it's this energy sucking creature. And it is, you know, they get called in and they, they fight the thing. They realize it's energy. Uh, it's not just draining energy, it's also draining powers and getting some of the powers from the Legionnaires. And so they send in the rock guy. His name's Block. And he fights the, the monster, and, and the monster can't get any energy from him and so he wins he defeats the creature and and that's pretty much it there's uh another subplot is timberwolf who used to have a kind of wolfy looking face and he gets plastic surgery to be look more human and that's a whole deal where lightning lad isn't real pleased with that choice but is letting them make that choice and staying out of their business because Timberwolf is in love with Lightning Lass, uh, Lightning Lad's sister. And, yeah, just overall, I mean, it's good. It was a nice little read. It's nice to go back into that kind of uh, um, style of of artwork and, you know, the the newsprint and classic ads for, like, Atari 2600 games and stuff. And... And honestly, when all is said and done, if I hadn't read the Detective Comics issue, I would, if it was just, say, The Adventures of Superman, 
all-star Western featuring Jonah Hex and then something else on the level of the adventures of Superman. Uh, I, I would have ended on the, on a good final bite, the last bite of the meal, you know? And when I say the last bite, that's why sometimes I'll actually look at a piece of pizza and eat it from the crust to the point because there's like that perfect pepperoni and just the perfect right amount of cheese right there on the, on that, on the tip of that slice of pizza. And so I will eat it backwards so I can get that as the last bite. This could have been the tip of the pizza with that pepperoni, but I instead ate the tip of the pizza first and I ended on the crust, which in this case was a good crust. If I'm going to carry this metaphor <laughs> further than it deserves, but it's a good crust. And all in all, man, what a great bag of comics. This was a fun, you know, time just to sit down and read comics. And yeah, I mean, this, this fit my whole thing of, you know, if you're, if you're not having fun reading comics, you're doing it wrong. Now that's not to say you're, you, I mean, that, that whole thing that I do when I say that it doesn't mean you come across some, you, you won't come across some bummers of comics and you won't come across this, you know, a human fly or something like that. Um, and in this case, you know, I, I buy them, I read them, and I'm not going to know if I don't like it until after I read it. And, and some of them I try, you know, uh, if I had a comic that I knew I wasn't going to like, maybe I would I would skip it. But if it was a comic that I thought I might not like, you know, I, I'd be willing to give it an op open-minded read. But in this case, right now, right here, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad to have shared it with you. I'm glad you shared it with me. I hope you're glad that I've shared it with you. And uh yeah, now what am I going to do? Well, I've still got some chores to do around the house and some things I can do while the kids aren't here. Um, I have to fix the stove, but that has to wait. So I'm not sure if I'm not sure what I'm going to do right now, but I am going to oh, maybe I'll watch a movie. I don't know. But for the time being, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you have any thoughts about maybe not these specific issues, but about my issues that I have with them, I just noticed they're all four were DC. And three of the four had that old school DC uh, logo. Uh, anyway, if I'm missing something with Legion of Superheroes, you know, and, and, and you think you you can, uh, you know, point me in the right direction, or you know, if you have an appreciation for Chuck Dixon's Detective Comics, or um, if you want to sing the praises of of All Star Western featuring Jonah Hex, uh, please let us let let me know. Uh, the the address is podcast at comicbooktimemachine.com but you can also go to our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine and you can go to the website comicbooktimemachine.com and leave a comment on the website speaking of I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Jimmy uh, who left a message saying and this is on the uh, Marvel Comics Digest versus DC Showcase Magazine and he said hmm I buy my comics at mycomicshop.com my so of course I don't shop the local Walmart thanks for mentioning this I'll have to check out that showcase might be a good addition to the collection I need some Rebirth Green Lanterns and Flash plus the two Batman button crossover issues but would like to keep up with the rest of it so yeah uh, he's he's referring to another formatted time machine for us which is these these showcase magazines and the digest magazines and um that's just a, another fun way to explore the past with comics. Now, uh, Legion of Superheroes, I didn't mention um, both the release date and the, the credits. Um, 
Paul Levitz is the writer. Pat Broderick is the penciler. Bruce Patterson is the inker. And the writer is Paul Levitz. I already said that, didn't I? <laughs> Paul Levitz, um, as far as I know, he is like one of the main guys on Legion of Superheroes. I just, like I said, I haven't followed enough to really know much about it. So anyway, again, I just want to thank you for listening. And no matter where you are, if you're out in the uh, the old west or the reaches, far reaches of space, or just heading home to your apartment, or if you're down in the sewer, wherever you are, wherever you're going, Godspeed.